Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. All those kids left, it looks thin. <laughs> it is so good to have uh, you with us, and good to see a number of kids. Now, um, so they ruined my mic, so I have to use this one, so you'll have to just put up with me on this, all right? It just wasn't working this morning. We don't know why. If you turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4, starting with verse 21. Galatians chapter 4, starting with verse 21. It reads like this. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way. His son, by the free woman, was born as a result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively, for the women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Hagar stands for the Mount Sinai and Arabah and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written, Be glad, O barren woman who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than her who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does the Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance of the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. I titled this, Who Do You Belong To? Last week, we talked about where is your joy. Talking about the fact that those who were going back into slavery and into bondage to religion and works and legalism had lost their joy. Well, today, the question I want to ask is, who do you belong to? Or let me put it another way. Who is your mother? Is it Sarah or is it Hagar? Spiritually speaking, who is your mother, Sarah or Hagar? When we look at Paul's writings, including here in the book of Galatians, over and over again, Paul taught that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And let me just be blunt. That's the best news anybody could ever hear, that salvation is by grace through faith. When that message is understood and it becomes a reality in their life, that transforms an individual life. It transformed Paul's life. Before Paul met Jesus Christ, he was trying to save himself by his efforts, by keeping the law, having been born into the right family, being faithful 
to his religious beliefs and the rituals and practices. But Paul found himself bound. And then he met Jesus. Oh, he had heard about Jesus, but he finally met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, he realized that he had been going the wrong way in his life. Paul came to understand that he could not save himself. He understood the truth that salvation was by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That he didn't and could not save himself. And that all people needed Jesus Christ. We all know Paul's testimony. I believe all of us in this room do. His life was radically changed that day. He had a life-changing experience. One of the plans of evangelism that's out there called faith talks about a life-changing experience in your testimony. Well, Paul had a radical change in his life when he met Jesus. Paul changed into a man from persecuting Christians to one proclaiming the truth of the gospel, told it to everyone who would listen to him that salvation is a free gift from God and that when they respond to it, their lives would be radically changed. Paul stated it so clearly over in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, when he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The power from the gospel message. And Paul went and preached and taught that. There was a real problem with these churches in the province of Galatia. And the problem came because some, some Judaizers came along. They were teaching that Jesus was wonderful. Jesus was fine. But you needed to keep the law. You needed to practice the law. If you were going to have God's approval in your life. I believe it didn't take the Galatians very long who turned that direction to realize that they can't live the Christian life. You ever try to live the Christian life on your own? I've heard many people tell me, I've tried and it didn't work. And of course it doesn't work. We can't live it on our own. We find that law keeping and rituals and ceremonies, when we try to live by them, we find ourselves in bondage and we never ever live up to our expectations, our own expectations, let alone someone else's. And here in this letter, Paul over and over again defends the truth. He says no to law-keeping, no to works and legalism. He says no to anything being added to the gospel message of grace and Christ on the cross. No to keeping religious practices. His message so clearly was that Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. He argues the case for Jesus, Jesus alone, saved by grace through faith, not works, not religion, the cross, where a person can find their sins forgiven, the cross, where freedom is given, where our hearts are, are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. There's a humorous story that has been told over and over again person is hanging over an edge of a cliff, just hanging on to a branch that he grabbed, and he hollers out, can anyone up there help me? And he hears a voice, I'll help you, but first you must let go. 
Let go, the man replied, but I'll fall. The voice says, I will catch you. Then after a long pause, the man says, is there anybody else up there that can help me? (laughs) It's a silly story, but it illustrates the point of how people hear the gospel message. Hear that we have to let go of all the things we've been hanging on to, all the legalism, all the rules, all religion, and let go and be into the hands of our Lord and Savior and Him alone. Well, that's actually a scary proposition, isn't it? Some of you could testify before you turned to Jesus, and it was scary just to let go of that rope, that, let, that rope of religion, that rope of legalism, that rope of self-effort of works. But these teachers there, to the, speaking to the church there at Galatia, that you can have heaven, you can have a relationship with God, just hang on to your good works and your religion. Well, Paul battled that horrendous error. He asked a question in verse 20. In my words, the question is like this. Do you really understand what you're about to do? Do you really know what the law says? I believe Paul understood that they didn't know what the law said. So Paul asked the question, who do you belong to? And he gives the example of Sarah and of Hagar. Since the Judaizers were appealing to the law for these folks, Paul uses the law then to prove that Christians are not under the law. The story of Hagar and her son Ishmael and Sarah and her son Isaac show the truth of the gospel message. The proof that you cannot save yourself, that you cannot have enough works or righteousness to do it on your own. Over in Matthew chapter 5 verses 17 through 20, we find these words, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest, not the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Everyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus was saying there on that Sermon on the Mount was very simple. You do not have and you cannot have enough righteousness to earn your way to heaven. You just can't do it. And that's what Paul is is saying here to the church there at Galatia. No one is able to meet the demands of the law. No one has perfect righteousness. No one has a pure heart. And so, to prove his point, Paul looks at Abraham's two sons through the two women. The slave woman, Hagar. The free woman, Sarah. It tells us here that the slave woman, Hagar, gave birth in the ordinary way of the flesh. But the free woman, Sarah, by promise. So again, the question is, 
Who do you belong to? Who's your mother? Are you following after Hagar and Ishmael or Sarah and Isaac? The scriptures tell us here that Ishmael was not special. He was just ordinary. But Isaac was a child of promise. Ishmael came about because Abraham decided with the help of others to help God out. He took the situation into his own hands. For God just wasn't responding to his promise quick enough. Ishmael represents human sources, the way of a person, the way of the flesh, the way of religion or works, self-efforts. Do you not see how we do that today in our own lives, how often we do it? How often we say by our actions or our attitudes, Lord, let me help you out. God never accepted Ishmael because he was not the son of promise. He was not the one who was going to be supernaturally born. See, Isaac was born in a supernatural way when all human ability was gone. The Spirit was at work. God was at work. God had made a promise, and humanly speaking, when Isaac came, Abraham and Sarah could not have a child. But God stepped in. And Isaac was born. A miracle happened. Isaac illustrates the fact that a Christian is born by the spirit, not of the human will. It's impossible humanly to be born of the spirit of God. When Isaac came along, his name means laughter. And I'm going to take this a step further and say, I think that means that Christians need to be joyous. That Christians need to have fun in their life. That we have to ha should have a smile on our face, even in the midst of some difficult situations. We also know that Isaac, when he came along, there was a conflict between him and Ishmael. Is that not true that our human flesh and our spirit war against each other? No, no head shaking, yes. Am I the only one? Always, the law is always in conflict with grace. A conflict with the way a man or a woman wants to do it and the way that God says it's to be done. And in the midst of this, there's a spiritual lesson for us. If you notice there, verse 24, he says, this is figuratively. Now normally... We are told and taught in school that we are interpret the Bible literally until the literal sense makes no sense at all. Well, here he even says this is a figurative of speech. It's an allegory. It's a true story that has a spiritual meaning. So Paul is using Hagar and Sarah to teach us a lesson. And it's about two covenants, the covenant of law and the covenant of grace. Hagar and Ishmael, the covenant of law and works. Religion, Sarah and Hagar, the covenant of grace of God. We need to note that God didn't start with Hagar and the law. It started with Sarah and a promise, grace. Hagar was a slave 
If I read my text here right, five times it's mentioned that she is a slave. Literally, her marriage or union with Abraham was out of God's will. And again, it points to the two covenants. Two ways people try to, if I can say it this way, get to God. Two ways to reach heaven. Two ways of salvation. You had Hagar, the law, works, deeds, religion, self-efforts. Sarah, grace, what God has done for us by promise. Hagar, law, human perfection. Sarah, grace, God's righteousness. The tragedy of the law is that no one can be saved by the law. Paul, earlier in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, says, a man is not justified by observing the law. He emphasized that over and over again in his writings. The law does not save anyone. Keeping the law does not save anyone. We are saved by grace. And when we understand grace, uh, we realize that I can't be good enough for God. Can't do it. As hard as I would try, I can't be good enough for God. Grace recognizes the fact that I, as an individual, need help to be right with God. That I need a Savior. And the Bible is clear that Savior is Jesus Christ. And I must trust Him and what He did on the cross for my salvation. And the day an individual puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they have a gift of God by grace. And at that moment, the Heavenly Father sees that individual. He saw me 60-some years ago through the eyes of Jesus, through the life of Jesus. And Jesus' righteousness was placed upon me. And I was accepted by the Father because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that I accepted it for myself. He even illustrates this point further by talking about two Jerusalems. There's an earthly Jerusalem and a heavenly Jerusalem. The earthly Jerusalem is where Hagar lived, slavery, law, rules, and again, bondage. And when you're that, in that situation, there's no peace, no joy, and no contentment. But the heavenly Jerusalem is a gift from God. And spiritually, it came to Sarah and Abraham by a promise of God. That he would extend grace and mercy to the one who would believe. Do you realize your, your home is heaven? Say yes. My home's heaven. I'm a stranger in this world, as 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 says. I'm a stranger. That old southern gospel song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Our home's heaven. That's where I'm going. That's where you're going if you know Jesus as Savior. And he's giving us this spiritual lesson here that Isaac, the child of promise, was a miracle. And all who belong to Isaac come about because of a miracle. And it's called the new birth. Are you glad? You see, the Bible tells us in John 3, 3, that no one see the, can see the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. There has to be that spiritual birth. There has to be that moment in time when you realize that your efforts and your religion and all that you were doing and all that you were trying to please God and find favor with God does not work, that you have to by faith trust what Jesus Christ did on the cross. 
Because every person who's saved is a miracle. A miracle has happened in your life. And it's about what God has done for you as He did for me. Everyone who is saved is saved because they believe God's promise. And they acted upon that promise. They believed that Christ was the Savior. And they became a miracle. You became a miracle when you believed. And all of us who were once spiritually dead are now alive because of Christ when we trust Him. He also makes a strong point here that law and grace don't mix. I'm sorry, that's bad English. Law and grace do not mix. The son of promise was persecuted by the son that came in the ordinary way. The two just didn't get along. And those who trust Christ Jesus know that you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be mocked by others. When you trust Jesus Christ, and those who are trusting in self-efforts, those who are trusting in their religion, those who are trusting in keeping the law will persecute those who have found faith in Christ through grace. Paul says to the... Basically, he's saying here, get rid of the Judaizers because they're no good for you. The Lord said to Abraham, send Hagar and Ishmael away. They will not share in the inheritance. Legalism and grace do not mix. Legalism tries to change a person from the outside. Some kind of works, some kind of education, rules, uh, even compromise to try to get grace and law mixed together. But that only leads to bondage. Get rid of the slave woman. What I believe he's saying to us with that statement is get rid of anyone or anything that wants to add to grace. Be done with it. Get rid of it. If I see this correctly, Paul is saying here that you... Galatians, you grew up in paganism. You worshipped a god or gods who were not God. And the gospel came along and you were set free from the bondage of those religions. But now when you want to turn, back, turn to Judaism, you're turning to another religion. You're going back into bondage. And what he is basically saying is that you're just trading an old religion for a different religion. There's no difference. A religion is religion, and you're no better off if you go back to some other religion. I do believe that making Christianity into religion is very easy. It's done all the time. People go to church. They'll sing the songs. They'll study the word all the time thinking that they are earning favor with God. You know, one of the great schemes of Satan is to get us to do wrong, isn't it? Those of us who fight temptation and realize how real it is in our lives, Satan loves to throw something in our face to tempt us to do wrong. But you know, there are times he doesn't have to do that. He just wants us to do what is right in the wrong way. For the wrong attitude. 
The wrong reasons. Satan, the devil, he's very comfortable for a person to go to church, sing the songs, give money when offering plates plans, teach a class, be involved in a, a Bible study, just as long as that person thinks what they are doing is going to bring them and earn merit in the sight of God. He's happy with that. Can I say this, and let me, let's just let me be honest and blunt. If your Christianity today consists of things that you are doing in order that you are trying to make yourself right with God, then you have a religion just like any other religion that's out there. Real Christianity is a much different critter, if I can put it that way, than religion. Christianity is a radical change in one's life, totally different from religion. Christianity is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ by trusting Him, by repenting of our sin, and asking Him to forgive us and cleanse our lives. By believing what Christ did on the cross, He did it for me. Putting our faith in what God has done, it is finished. There's nothing to be added to what he has done. Ishmael and Isaac did not mix. Legalism and grace do not mix. Those who belong to Hagar, those who are looking after the old covenant, will be sent away. Only those who have followed Sarah, the new covenant, which came in Christ. Only those will inherit eternal life. If you are here today and you're living under some kind of legalism, if you're living under some kind of religion that you call Christianity, you need to turn from it and let go and trust Jesus and Jesus alone for your salvation. It doesn't stop us from getting together and worship. It doesn't stop us from fellowshipping with one another. It doesn't stop us from celebrating the greatness of our God. But we trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for our salvation. The choice today is, who do you belong to? The slave woman or the free woman? Doing things to try to please God or knowing that you pleased God because you turned to Jesus and you're forgiven. And he sees you in the righteousness of our Savior. If you don't know Christ the Savior today, I invite you to walk this aisle and come and speak to me and our Pastor Steve or a Sunday school teacher. Or your de it doesn't have to be me. If you need to come and pray, that's fine. If the Lord's asking you to do something else in your life that he wants you to do, just say yes to him. Say yes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just say thank you again for these few minutes we've had together. Thank you for your wonderful grace. Strengthen us now. Those who need to make decisions, Father, and I do believe there's someone here, or maybe more than one, that need to make a choice today. I ask you to give them the strength and the wisdom to say yes to what you're asking them to do. In the name of our Savior, we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. The Lord's spoken to you. Come.